Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. I love. Welcome to episode 42 of the Money Love Podcast. Are y'all ready to talk about cars today? Let's do it. I am actually really excited about this episode because A, I get asked questions about the car buying process all of the time from you guys. And I am just thrilled that now I'm going to have a really comprehensive resource in this episode that I can now point you to, to get all of the information that you need and to get your questions answered. And B, I actually just really love talking about this topic. Now, I'm going to tell you, this episode is going to be value-packed. I have a lot that I want to get through, and I don't want this episode to be an hour long. So I'm giving my disclaimer right now. I'm probably going to be talking a little bit faster in this episode than I normally do. So if it seems like I'm talking faster than I normally do, I am because there's just so much that I want to get through in this episode. Here is a little fun fact about Paige that most of you do not know. My very first job out of college was selling cars. Yep. I sold cars for two years. For those of you in Texas, you will probably more than likely be familiar with the Sewell Group. Not school, but Sewell, S-E-W-E-L-L. They are a luxury dealer group in Texas, and they recruit really heavily out of the big colleges in Texas, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, which is where I went, SMU, UT. They have dealerships all over the state, and they specialize in luxury brands. So think Lexus, Mercedes, Audi, BMW, Cadillac. Carl Sewell, who is the founder of the Sewell Automotive Group, he literally wrote the book on customer service. He has a book called Customers for Life that people in the customer service industry literally use as the Bible of how to provide customer service to people. And they're really unique from a car dealership perspective in the fact that every single person that they hire in their dealerships in both sales and service has to have a four-year college degree. Now, listen, I do not think that you need a college degree to sell cars. But a lot of people do get a little bit confused when I tell them that this was my first job out of college because they're like, hold up, how did you end up selling cars after college? And it is unique in that Sewell isn't like most car dealerships. And I was actually recruited out of Texas A&M to come work for them. So I worked in one of their Cadillac dealerships for two years. And I sold over 300 cars during that time. The dealership that I worked at is in a very wealthy area of Dallas. If you're in the Dallas area, it's the Cadillac on Lemon Avenue right across from Love Field. And it's really close to a really ritzy area of Dallas called Highland Park. Highland Park is one of the wealthiest areas, not only in Dallas or Texas, but literally in the entire country. So let's just say that your girl sold a lot of caddies to a lot of people that had a lot of money. But all joking aside, that job taught me so much and it gave me so much. I mean, first off, it's where I met my husband, Ryan. So on the very first day of that job, my manager walked me up to Ryan and said, this is Ryan Pritchard. And he's new, but he's been here for about a month. So he knows just enough to kind of show you the ropes and show you where everything is. 
So Ryan was actually my tour guide, I guess, so to speak, on my very first day of work. He had just started about a month before me, but that was history for Ryan and I after that. We were pretty much inseparable after that day. So it's fun to say that that is how we met and it's what brought us together. But we laugh now because it was such a hard job. Long hours dealing with people that right off the bat, honestly, just simply treated you like crap because you're a car salesman working on 100% commission. So if you're not selling anything, you're not making any money. So in a lot of ways, it was a really tough job, let alone first job. But it also taught me so much about selling and negotiating and communicating. And it also taught me a lot about cars in general and also about the car buying process. I really learned the ins and the outs of how this process works. And listen, I totally understand when you guys come to me and you're really confused and overwhelmed and frankly intimidated by the car buying process. And I have to say that I think that if I had not had the job that I had for two years that taught me what I know, I would absolutely feel the same way. The car buying process is one of those things that is confusing. It's clouded with a lot of secrecy. You always just feel like you're being taken advantage of. So what we're going to do in this episode today is I am just going to drop all of my knowledge on you, okay? Everything I learned, everything I know about buying and leasing a car. We are going to talk about both, and I am going to help you understand both, and I'm also going to give you my best tips on deciphering which one is best for your situation. Now, this is absolutely going to be one of those episodes where you're going to want to get a pen and paper out. If you can't take notes right now because you're walking or you're driving, then just listen now and come back later when you can and re-listen and take notes. Heads up though, if you are hoping that by the end of this episode, I'm going to be telling you which one is better, buying or leasing, that I'm going to be endorsing one and renouncing the other, you're going to be disappointed. That's not what this episode is going to be. If you've been here for any period of time, you just know that that's not really how we do things here, okay? I'm going to be giving you the things that you need to be thinking about and considering, but then you are going to have to do some work and some energy to take the knowledge that I give you and apply it through the unique lens and filter of your own life and your own situation. You're going to have to take some ownership and give this some mental energy for what's best for you, okay? So let's start here the financial expenditure of cars. After a mortgage, cars are by far the most expensive asset that most of us in our lives have. The amount of money that we spend on our vehicles from the vehicle itself to gas to insurance to maintenance totaled up over the course of our life is a lot. So it makes sense that when we are looking to acquire a new car, that we weigh all of the options and we look at how those options are going to impact us financially. Now, it's also important to note that vehicles are a depreciating asset, which means that they are an asset that goes down in value over time. So unless you have a car that is like a collector's item, which most of us do not, 99% of the cars out there are going to become less valuable over time. The older they get, the more that they're driven, the less valuable they become. Now, this is important to note compared to, say, a house, which oftentimes we think of a house as an appreciating asset, something that goes up in value over time. So I want to point this out because, again, when we're looking at both of these options, buying versus leasing, we have to keep in mind 
that a car, a vehicle, is a depreciating asset. Now, I will say this, 90% of the advice that you're going to see out there when it comes to should you buy or should you lease is going to tell you to buy and not to lease because buying is the option that will save you the most money. And it will. That's the truth. We'll talk about this a little bit more in the episode. But if you go out and try to do any research on this on the internet, 90% of what you're going to see is you should buy, you shouldn't lease because buying is cheaper. It's going to save you the most money, blah, 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 blah. Now, again, I acknowledge that is true, but I do want to spend some time more closely evaluating the leasing option, what leasing means, what it looks like, and then we will talk about that situation versus buying and which situation is best for different scenarios. Okay, leasing a car. First off, what is leasing a car? What does that even mean? When you lease a car, think of it kind of like you are borrowing the car for a period of time. When you lease a car, what you are doing is you are paying for the depreciation of the vehicle over the time that you have it. You are paying for how much the car is going down in value for the amount of time that you have it. So let's say you lease a vehicle for three years, and at the start of that three years, the car is worth $30,000. And at the end of that three years, the car is going to be worth is called the residual value, by the way, which we'll dive into in a second. So in those three years, that car is going to go from $30,000 to $18,000. It's going to depreciate $12,000. So when you're leasing the car, what you're doing is you are paying for that $12,000 over the three-year or the 36-month time period. So if you do that math, 12,000 divided by 36 months, that would come out to a $300 a month payment. Now, the payment would actually end up being a little bit more than that when you factor in things like taxes, title, fees, and the money factor, again, which we'll talk about. But that is what you're paying for when you lease a car. You are paying for the depreciation. Now, there are two main things that factor into what the residual value of the lease will be. Remember, The residual value is how much the car will be worth at the end of the lease. Think residual, like residue. The definition of residual is what is remaining after the greater part or quantity has gone. So the two things that are going to impact the residual value of the lease is the term. The term is the length of time of the lease and the mileage of the lease. Every single lease will have these two factors. How long are you going to lease the vehicle for? Most leases range from two to four years, and the term is always going to be expressed in months. You're going to see 24 months, 36 months, 39, 48 months. But I will say that 36 to 39-month leases are the most common. The second factor is the mileage. When you lease a vehicle, you are going to say that you will only drive the vehicle a certain number of miles per year. This is the mileage of the lease. You can lease a vehicle for really as many miles as you want, but most standard leases that you will see will offer you a couple choices. The most popular and the most common mileage buckets on a lease are going to be 10,000 miles a year, 12,000 miles a year, and 15,000 miles a year. So think of it this way. The residual value 
what the car is going to be worth at the end of the lease is going to be based on how long are you going to lease this vehicle and how far is the car going to be driven while you have it. The longer you have the vehicle, the more time that goes by, the more it's going to depreciate. And the farther that you drive it, the more mileage that you put on it, the more it will depreciate as well. So you can have the exact same car. And person A is going to lease that vehicle for three years at 10,000 miles a year, which means that the residual value is going to be based on, okay, how much is this car going to be worth in three years with 30,000 miles on it versus person B who is going to lease that exact same vehicle, but they're going to lease it for four years at 15,000 miles a year. So the residual value in that situation is going to be, okay, how much is this car going to be worth after four years with 60,000 miles on it, right? Four years at 15,000 miles a year. It's the same car, but one person is going to own it longer and drive it farther than the other. So the residual amounts are going to be different in those two scenarios. And you pay for the residual value over the term. And then it's important to note that when you lease a vehicle, when the lease is up, you do not own anything. You simply return the car back to the leasing company and you move on to your next car. I want you to think about leasing a car like renting a home or renting an apartment. It's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to someone else. And you are simply just paying to borrow the asset for a period of time. That's leasing a car. You are paying for the depreciation of the vehicle while you're borrowing it. And that depreciation is based on how long you're going to have it and how far you're going to drive it. Now, buying a car, what are we doing there? Well, when you're buying a car, you are paying for the entire value of the car with the intent to own it outright once you've paid off the entire car. This would be the equivalent of paying a mortgage on a home. You have to pay it off over time, but once you've made all the payments, then it's paid off and you own it, and the value of the car is considered an asset to you. So let's go back to the $30,000 car. If you finance the $30,000 car, they are going to take that entire value plus taxes and fees and divide that over the financing term. Remember, term just means time. So most financing terms for cars are three to five years, but I will say this, in the last couple of years, the terms that you're allowed to finance vehicles is just getting longer and longer and longer in order to make payments lower and lower to be more enticing to consumers. So now it's not uncommon at all when you go to finance a car to be given options to finance the car for 72 or 84 months, which is six to seven years. But let's just say that you financed a $30,000 car over five years, 60 months. That would be a $500 a month payment, plus extra in the payment for interest, taxes, fees, things like that. But once you've made all 60 payments in this example, the vehicle is yours. It belongs to you, and whatever the vehicle is worth is yours. It's an asset to you. So it's important to start with the understanding of what is actually happening with each option. With a lease, you're paying for the depreciation of the vehicle while you are borrowing it. It does not belong to you. With buying, you are paying off the entire value of the vehicle. Once it's paid off, it belongs to you. Now, let's go back to leasing. 
There are a lot of things that I want you to be thinking about when exploring the leasing option. So we are going to spend a good chunk of time going through this. I will mention again that leasing always gets a really, really bad rap. I have a lot of clients and students that come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, Paige, I'm leasing a car. They freak out about it. They're like, I know I shouldn't be leasing a car, but I did. And when I always ask them, I'm like, let me ask you, because I'm really just curious. Why do you feel so bad and so guilty about leasing a car? And you want to know what a lot of them tell me? They tell me because Dave Ramsey says not to. So a lot of this comes from Dave Ramsey. Leasing a car is one of those things that Dave pretty much says that you're going to burn in the depths of hell for. But I challenge you to think beyond what Dave Ramsey is shouting at you. I have heard him say some crazy and just some simply untrue things about leasing vehicles. Like, I've heard him say a couple times that if you lease a car, you're going to pay the full sticker price of the car, which is just not true at all. Now, yes, there are some things that you need to think about and you need to be aware of, which I'm going to walk you through here. But I want to make it very clear that I do not think that leasing a car is bad, is dumb, is stupid, is financially irresponsible. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. I lease my cars. I lease my cars. Yes, I do. I have leased my cars for a really long time, and I probably will continue to do so in the future. But I will say this. I also am very clear, and I understand the leasing process very well, and I know what I'm doing. I think a big reason why leasing gets such a bad rap is because most people have no idea what they're doing when they lease a car. They don't know what the heck is going on. They simply just see that low payment And it's kind of like shiny object syndrome, except the shiny object is the low payment. So they get themselves into a lease when they really shouldn't be leasing a car. They end up putting themselves in a situation a couple years down the road when the lease is up that isn't advantageous, and then therefore leasing kind of gets the bad rap. I want you to know that when you are going through the car buying process, the dealer is always, always going to present the leasing option to you. Why? Because the lease option is always going to have a lower payment than the buying option. And like I said, people look at that lower payment and they're like, ooh, I can just lease this brand new car and save myself $200, $300 a month. And again, they get sucked in by that shiny object, that lower payment, when they really shouldn't be leasing a car. So do not be one of those people. Know what's going on. Know what you're getting yourself into. And here we go. Here is what is important to know if you want to explore the leasing route. First, you typically only lease brand new cars. There are companies that will lease you a used vehicle, but more than likely, if you're at a dealership exploring the leasing option, we are talking about leasing a brand new car. And I want you to know that if you lease a car, you can still negotiate the heck out of the price of the vehicle, okay? Dave Ramsey is so wrong on this. You will negotiate the price of the car exactly how you would if you were buying the car. You don't just have to pay the MSRP sticker price because you're leasing. Even if you're leasing, negotiate just how you would if you were buying. Get the price of the vehicle as low as you possibly can. Secondly, you need to be very clear and upfront with how many miles a year you will need on your lease. This is where people get themselves into trouble. I recommend taking the amount that you drive in a year and giving yourself a little bit of a cushion in case your circumstances change or if you just want to have a little bit more flexibility in how much you drive. 
One of the main reasons that I lease personally is because honestly, I don't do a lot of driving and my driving is really consistent. I drive about 8,000 miles a year. So I have a 10,000 mile a year lease. I give myself a little bit of that extra cushion. But the mileage component of leasing, like I said, it's what gets people into trouble because they don't understand that they are actually being held to that mileage limitation at the end of the lease. And here's what happens if you go over on miles. If you go over on miles on your lease, the leasing company is going to charge you about 20 cents a mile for every mile that you are over. So I repeat, be crystal clear about the mileage of the lease and if you feel that you can stay within those mileage limits. So first things first, be clear on the term. Is the lease two years, three years, four years? Remember the term is going to be expressed in months. Secondly, be super clear about the mileage. And for the love of God, get the mileage that you need. Do not I repeat, do not get a 10,000 mile a year lease when you know that you're going to be driving 15,000 miles a year just because the payment is lower. You will be paying much more on the back end. The last thing that I want you to be looking at when considering a lease payment is, does this payment factor in or include me putting any money down? This is something else a lot of people don't think to ask. So When you see those commercials on TV for leases and it's like, oh, come lease this vehicle for as low as $2.79 a month, just know that those really low enticing payments that you see on TV or on the radio, those low payments always, always include you putting down at least the taxes, titles, and fees, which taxes on a car is well into the four figures. If you actually pause those commercials and you read the fine print at the bottom of the screen, what you'll figure out is that those really low payments is based on the lowest base model. It's also based on a super low mileage, and it's always factoring in you putting at least a couple thousand dollars down. I cannot tell you how many times people would come into the dealership and let's just say they wanted to lease an Escalade, right? And they'd be like, oh, well, I saw on TV that I can lease an Escalade for $4.99 a month, which for an Escalade is really low, you guys. <laughs> okay. An Escalade is like an $80,000 vehicle. So a $500 a month lease payment on an Escalade is crazy. And then I always had to explain to them, okay, well, that's at 10,000 miles a year. You need 15,000 miles a year. That's also putting down $10,000. Do you want to put down $10,000? So just know that those payments that you're always seeing everywhere, they are intended to entice you and to drive you into the dealership. But a lot of people don't actually end up doing the leases in the way that they're represented on those commercials. So that's just a little fun fact for you. I'll say this as well. A lot of dealerships, when they're showing you leasing options, they will work up the lease assuming that you're putting at least a couple thousand dollars down. Again, they are tempting you with that lower payment. And then later on, they're probably going to be like, oh, and by the way, this is also factoring in that you're going to put $3,000 down on the lease. So just be aware of what is the amount down that you are factoring in me putting down on this lease option. I want you to know as well, just one more thing to know with leases, that when you lease a car, your first payment is always due at signing when you acquire the car. And there's really nothing that you can do about that. That's just standard. So keep that in mind. If you lease and let's say the payment is $300 a month, 
you'll have to make that first payment at signing when you get the car. It's not 30 days later. It's the clock starts right now, the day that you acquire the car. First payment is due today. So just know that. The last thing that I want you to know about leasing a car is something that is called the money factor. The money factor is the financing charge on the lease. The money factor on a lease is the equivalent to the interest rate when you're financing a car. The money factor when you lease a car is going to be based on your credit score. The higher your credit score, the more advantageous the money factor is going to be. And just like how you can negotiate the interest rate if you finance a car, you can also negotiate the money factor on a lease. And a lot of people don't even realize that you can because they don't even realize that the money factor is a thing. But it's there, it can be negotiated, and I encourage you to negotiate it because, again, it's another way to lower your monthly payment and to put money back into your pocket. I know this is a lot of information on leasing, but if you are considering leasing as an option, here is what I want you to do. Here is what I do. I'm going to tell you exactly what I do and exactly what I say at the dealership. So you're going to go to a dealership. You're going to start working with a salesperson. You're going to pick out the exact car that you want. I want you to find it on the lot and be like, this is the car that I want. Work me up a lease on this VIN number. So here's what you're going to say to the salesperson. You're going to say, can you please work me up what a lease would look like on this specific vehicle for a 36, a 39, and a 48-month lease? I want to see all the options at 10,000 miles a year or whatever it is, right? If you need 15,000 miles a year, say 15. And then say, with $0 down and only my first payment due at signing, nothing more. I don't want to put anything down except for my first payment at signing. I want your best offer right off the bat. That goes for both the price on the vehicle and the money factor. I'm going to be getting three different quotes from three different dealerships on this car with the exact same specs and mileage. And whoever gives me the best offer right off the bat is who I'm going to go with. I am not interested in going back and forth. I want you just to give me your best shot right away. My credit score is blank. So you can use that to figure out what the best offer is that you can offer me on the money factor. Okay, that's what I say. Now, if the salesperson gives you some pushback and they're like, well, we're going to need you to submit a credit app to see what your credit score is, blah, 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 blah. Just be like, nope. I told you that my credit score is blank, which I know you're F&I person. F&I means finance and insurance. Those are the people that you sign all the paperwork with. You can just say, I know your F&I person can use that to make a fair estimate of what you can offer me on the money factor. I totally understand that after you pull my credit, if my credit score isn't what I say it is, that things are going to change. But I'm going to be using this to get three offers that are apples to apples, and I'm just going to be going with whoever offers me the lowest payment right off the bat. Again, nothing down at signing except my first payment. And at that point, you let them fight over your business. And this way, you're not having to submit 18 credit apps and having that hurt your credit. I recommend not submitting a credit app until you've decided which car you want, which dealership you're going with, and you've agreed to the deal so that you only have one hard inquiry against your credit while you're going through this process. Now, let's spend some time talking about when it makes sense to lease. I know we've been talking about leasing for the majority of this episode, I know, but it's important that we do this so that you guys can really understand what's happening and if it's a good option for you. Again, a lot of people are leasing vehicles who, when I look at their situation, they probably would be better served just buying. But I want you to know that there are benefits to leasing, and it does make sense in some situations. 
The first major benefit to leasing is that you are pretty much always in a new car. This means more to some people than to others. I totally acknowledge that. Some people like to be in newer cars for the newer features. Some like it for the status. Some like it for the reliability and the safety that comes with newer cars. But I will tell you, as someone who has leased her vehicles for almost a decade now, another huge benefit of leasing is that you pretty much never have to worry about maintenance costs on your vehicles. For most cars, your vehicle will always be under warranty for the life of the lease. And nowadays, I know we did at Cadillac, nowadays, many manufacturers offer free maintenance to their customers for a period of time. Like my car now, I'm leasing it for three years. I'm halfway through the lease. I'm 18 months in. And in a year and a half, I've spent $50 on maintenance on my car in a year and a half. I've taken it in for one oil change, one tire rotation, and it was about $50. That's it. So one benefit that I see of leasing is that you don't have to be worried about your car breaking down. You don't have to constantly be worried about saving up for costly repairs because if something does happen in your car, more than likely it's still going to be under warranty. You're not going to have to pay anything out of pocket for that. Leasing is really great for those of you who don't do a lot of driving, which with so many people now changing the way that they work and commutes looking a lot different since the pandemic, that might be a lot more of you now than, say, a year ago. But it's for those of you who don't do a ton of driving. If you drive more than 15,000 miles a year, leasing probably isn't going to be a great option for you. But if you don't drive a lot and you feel comfortable staying within those mileage limitations and you know you won't be going over, leasing could be a really good option for you. I simply just like the simplicity that leasing gives me. I like the fact that I always have a newer car. I like the fact that I don't have to be worrying about paying for really costly repairs and maintenance. And I'm comfortable with the mileage that I've given myself. Now, let's talk about buying. So remember, when you buy or finance a car, you are paying for the entire car. And once it's paid off, you own it. Here are my tips if you want to go the buying route. Unless you have a really, really high net worth, don't buy or finance a brand new car. If you're going to go the buying route, I actually recommend buying a used or a pre-owned vehicles because cars do the majority of their depreciation in the first couple of years. So you can buy a pre-owned vehicle that's only two or three years old, very lightly and gently used, and a lot of that depreciation will have already occurred, which you won't have to pay for. You can buy a used car, which is a certified pre-owned vehicle, which means that it's gone through safety and quality inspections and is given an extended warranty from the manufacturer warranty when you purchase it. So you still have some service coverage when you assume ownership of the vehicle. Also, if you're going to buy, I recommend at looking at financing options between three and five years. I think it is fantastic if you can finance a vehicle for three to four years and have it paid off within that time frame. Five years, 60 months, okay, fine, but do not go any longer than financing a vehicle for five years. Do not finance a car for six to seven years. A lot of people are doing that now, again, because they're being presented the option to do it and they're getting sucked in and enticed with those lower payments. They're letting those lower numbers cloud their judgment but do not finance a vehicle any longer for five years. I recommend doing it within three to four if you can. Lastly, on the buying route, be prepared to put down at least a couple thousand dollars. Just like a house, a good rule of thumb is 20% down. 
So if you're buying the car for $30,000, putting $6,000 down is a good rule of thumb. Why the amount down is important is because you don't want to end up in a situation where you are upside down in the car. Being upside down in a car means that you owe more on the car than the car is worth. This is what's called having negative equity in the car. This is not a good situation to be in because if you're ever in an accident, you could be in a position where you have to come up with the difference between what the car is worth and what you actually owe. And if you're upside down, you'll have to come up with that difference, which could put you in a financial pinch. When you put money down, you are giving yourself some space and some cushion. You're building in some equity between what you owe on the car and what the car is worth. So if you are looking at the buying route, here are my tips for you. Buy pre-owned. Certified pre-owned are great options to give yourself some warranty coverage. Finance, ideally over a three to four year period, five tops. Look to put 20% down just to build some equity into the situation so that you don't end up in a situation where you're upside down in your vehicle. And also don't forget to negotiate both the price of the car and the interest rate of the car if you're financing the vehicle. Both are negotiable. Both will lower the payment and what you'll pay over time. Like I said, essentially putting money back into your pocket. Now, which option makes the most sense financially? I mean, listen, this is a podcast about money, so let's just talk about the money for a second. If you do the math and you crunch the numbers, buying is always a cheaper option over the long term. It just is. That's why 99 out of 100 financial experts will always tell you to buy and they'll tell you never to lease. So if you are simply concerned with bottom line financial principles, meaning I just want to do what the cheapest option is, then buying is the way to go, hands down. Now, like I said, I lease my cars. I have for a while, and I probably will continue to do so in the future. So I guess that makes me the one out of 100 financial people that is going to offer you a different perspective here. If you choose to lease your vehicles, yes, more than likely, you will pay more out of pocket in the long run. You just will. But for me, there are intangible benefits to leasing a car that are worth something to me. And I've talked about this in past episodes, but with any decision, I like to look at both the tangible financial impacts, but also the intangible impacts and benefits that a decision is going to make in my life and weigh them both together. I encourage you to do the same. Like I told you, to me, I like driving newer cars. I just do. I like the safety of it. I like the reliability of it. I like the fact that I don't have to worry about maintenance or my car breaking down. I don't ever have to worry about saving up a down payment for a car or saving up a large chunk of cash for a period of time to buy a car outright. I would rather take that money and invest it. I just like the simplicity of I make my monthly payment, I drive my car. Repeat. The intangible benefits for me make up for the tangible cost of more money out of my pocket. But I am making that decision being aware of both of those. And I like that decision for me. I like my reasons for that. I always say, make whatever decision you want, like your reasons. And I like my reasons. Also, I will say this loud and clear. I understand what I'm doing. I understand the miles I can drive. I'm not going over that. I'm not playing these games of, oh, okay, well, I'm going to lease the car to get the lower payment. And then when the lease is up, I'm going to buy the car at the end of the lease. No, don't do that. (laughs) Okay. If you're going to lease, lease. If you're going to buy, buy. Don't get fancy and play the games of, oh, I'll lease it and then I'll buy it out at the end of the lease. So I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm getting myself into and I'm good with that. 
And for you, I think the same is true. I just think it's important that you consider all of the factors and then you make the decision from there. Don't necessarily lease because it's going to give you a lower payment. Don't write off buying because it's going to have more than likely a higher monthly payment because like I said, in the end, you will end up with more money in your pocket. But also don't necessarily write off leasing either just because you've heard, oh, leasing is bad, leasing is bad, leasing is bad, and you're never actually going to own the car. There's pros and cons to each, and they all need to be factored in and weighed. So let me just wrap up this episode by telling you, okay, who should lease, who should buy? Let's start with leasing. Leasing is a good option for those of you who you don't drive a lot, and you also feel comfortable being under a mileage restriction on how far you can drive every year. You like to have new vehicles, which again, there's nothing wrong with saying that or admitting it. I'll be the first to raise my hand and say I thoroughly enjoy it, (laughs) okay? You like to drive vehicles that are on the newer side. You like the reliability and the simplicity and the safety that come with newer vehicles. You understand that yes, you will be paying more over the lifetime of your car ownership journey, But you're cool with that because to you, the intangible benefits outweigh the tangible financial impacts. So if that sounds like you, and again, you are crystal clear into what you're getting yourself into, leasing can be a great option for you. Buying is best for those of you who simply want to make the choice that is going to save you the most money and you want to own the car outright once it's paid off. You want to keep your cars for a really long period of time. Buying is best for those of you who also drive a lot, or you just want to have complete control and flexibility over how far you can drive. Buying is also best for those of you who are really hard on your vehicles. Those of you who tend to get in a lot of accidents, a lot of fender benders, you hit a lot of curbs, you swipe a lot of stuff. If you're really hard on the interior of your vehicles, then buying is best because with leasing, once you turn in the car at the end of the lease, If there's excessive damage to the car, you could be liable for that. So if you're just really hard on your cars, just buy. Also buying is best for those of you who you are cool with the fact that as your vehicle gets older, you're going to have to plan to pay for maintenance and repairs, and you're probably just going to have to deal with less reliability with your vehicle. Again, neither of these are better or worse. It's just knowing what to look for and assessing, okay, which one am I? (sighs) Okay, my loves, that is all I have for you in this jam-packed episode. Here's a favor that I will not be shy of asking you for. As I was typing out this episode, I was like, holy crap, this is just, this is so much good information that I'm just giving away. And I am so happy to give it away because, again, the car buying process is one of those things that there's just a lot of secrecy. There's like this veil around it. And I know it can be scary and I know it can be intimidating. So I would really appreciate it if this episode has helped you, if it's taught you something, if it's given you some things to think about, if you would be so kind as to share this episode on Instagram, share it with your network, send it to your friends who need this knowledge, tag me at The Purposeful Penny, and also do not be shy about leaving a review of the podcast. Again, it helps so much bring visibility and traction to the show. So please let me know if you enjoyed this episode. And also, please let me know if you have any follow-up questions. I think that this is going to be one of those topics where we have this episode here, and then I might collect additional questions that you guys have about the car buying process that I didn't get to answer here. 
And then I can do a follow-up episode, maybe like a part two to the car buying process with all of your follow-up questions that I wasn't able to answer here. So if you have more questions that I didn't get to, please send them to me. I will collect them. And then we can just do a little follow-up episode. All right, my loves. Love you so dearly. Have a fantastic and an amazing week. Thank you for listening. I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Hey, girl. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in Overcoming Overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled purposeful and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.